that is a uh, pretty spectacular expression of faith when we can say those words, I believe it, that God is over all. Especially in the moments where he walks us right up to the edge of the valley of the shadow of death and the way says, this is the way we're going to go. And you're like, man, I don't, don't want to go down in there. I don't want to go down in there. But listen, true, true belief, an expression of true faith says, I'm going to go the way the way goes, Jesus. That says, I believe that God is over absolutely everything, no matter how deep and how dark the valleys of life are. When we follow Jesus, the way, where he leads, that is our truest expression of faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you. I confess, Lord, they are very, very difficult words to declare in so many seasons of life. But God, if we, I know if we give you a chance, you will prove that you are absolutely faithful and worthy of our trust, no matter, no matter what life comes no matter what life brings. So Lord, I'm so thankful for this passage you have for us today. I'm so thankful for this chapter of scripture, John 14. You declare to us we have no reason to be troubled because you are with us. Lord, as we open your word today, I pray that your word would do the speaking. I pray, God, that you would declare um, your good and your mighty word to each one, Lord, that you would show us um, why we have no reason to be troubled. Lord, increase our faith. May that be our cry, that our faith would be increased. Lord, give us ears to hear and a heart to receive what your word has to say. Holy Spirit of God, speak, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you can go ahead and have a seat. It is well with my soul. I wonder how many of you are able um, to make that pronouncement today. I, I gotta tell you, it's not well with my soul right now because if you have technology and you count on it to work and it doesn't work, and every Sunday I preach, I make a copy and I lay it right here because I'm so afraid that it's not going to work. And I get up here today and I hold it and it's supposed to recognize my face and it won't do it. So it's not opening up. So I don't have a hard copy of the sermon. I'm counting on this thing to work today. And praise God, it is now with my, well with my soul because I now have my notes right in front of me. So pray for me as I'm recovering from being shaken in the moment. Hey, listen, this is, I mean it. This is one of my, if, if I can declare a favorite chapter in all of scripture, it's John 14. And as you, if you've attended our church for any time, you know, you know that um, we, about three and a half years ago, almost four years ago now, we started a team teaching approach to the word. And so Jasper and I, um, we, we split. So you've seen him for a couple of Sundays. Now you're gonna see me for a couple of Sundays. And, um, and, we'll, and, and Bjorn mixes in here and there. And Sam, as he grows, he's going to be mixing in here and there. But, but I can tell you, it was not always well with my soul when it came to standing up here in front of the church. It just wasn't. Um, I was filling a need. 
I was, I was brought to this place. I didn't come to it. I was brought here by God. And uh, over the course of the years, as I have become accustomed to looking at my church family and the work of the Holy Spirit of God in me, him proving to me, let not your heart be troubled, Todd. I am with you. And if I'm not with you, you shouldn't even be up there. So praise God for the Holy Spirit in me. And it's my hope and prayer that he is the one that declares it today. He is the one that brings me peace as I deliver the word to you. And uh, I pray that you would receive it well today and that God would speak to you. Listen, um, it's been um, probably like 20 years ago. Let not your hearts be troubled. I became the instant father of three boys who at the ages of 10 and younger, I believe it was like 10 and eight and three, um, Wendy's three oldest to her late husband, of course, that tells you the story that these three boys walked into an experience of life without a father. And so two and a half, three years later, I step in onto the scene, becoming the instant father of three boys who had lost a father. So they go from Kitchener-Waterloo, Ontario. Wendy and I get married. They're moved to Pennsylvania for one year where I'm from. And then a year later, we moved to West Michigan. This is three boys that lost their father. Let not your hearts be troubled, boys. So we move, we move in, a, in a course of a year and a few months, they had seen three places. Kitchener-Waterloo, Canada, um, Pennsylvania, South Central Pennsylvania, and then to West Michigan, all in a very short period of time. So we sat down on the deck, I'll never forget it, the three boys and myself, and I said, so what's your greatest fear right now? You know what they said? Every single one of them said this, that we would not be left alone. You can make quick sense of why that would be their number one concern, that they would not be left alone. And so guess where we went? Jen Holst. Joshua 1.9, this became a memory verse for each one of them. God said to Joshua, just before they went into the promised land, scary people, scary things ahead of them. This is his version of let not your hearts be troubled because I'm going to be with you. He says, be strong. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do not be terrified. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Promise he made to Joshua and Israel. It's a promise he made to the disciples in John chapter 14. It's a promise that he shares for my three oldest sons, and for you and for me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Let not your hearts be troubled. He says, believe in God. Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me. Why? Because in my Father's house are many rooms. And he says, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to, pre to prepare a place for you? And so in my mind, over the past 50 years of my life, I have, I have received this truth being incomplete. It's uh, receiving it my understanding of it was incomplete. And here's why, because where does your head go when he says, in my father's house are many rooms. This is where my head goes. I wonder what my room's going to look like in heaven. If you know anything about me, I have a TV in my office and, and I have on that TV a fire burning in this massive um, lodge 
that's overlooking the Rocky Mountains, snow is falling, fire is burning, big heavy leather couches and chairs, soaring vaulted ceilings. I'm like, wonder what it's gonna be like in heaven. Is it gonna be like that? So that's me sitting here on earth, deciding what it's probably going to look like when I get to heaven. Future place, heavenly place, the domain of God. What do you imagine? Now look at, this is kind of fun. I've done this with you before. Jesus took six days, six 24-hour periods to create all of the heavens and all of the earth and everything we see in them. And 2,000 years ago, he died and rose again. He is now at heaven, preparing a place for us. How exciting is that? 2,000 years, it took him six days, and now he's taking 2,000 years? It's kind of fun to think that way, isn't it? But it's an incomplete thought if we're only thinking about, I wonder what my room's going to look like. I wonder what our rooms are going to look like. I wonder what this incredible place is that we are eventually going to be, and we're going to be there because Jesus says, I'm going away, but when I go, understand I'm coming back to take you where I am. Where I am, I want you to be there also. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says this, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So exciting. Because one day we're actually going to be in that eternal place with no pain, no sickness, no death, all taken away, every tear wiped away from our eyes as Rick um, so wonderfully read for us. This is where we're going to be eventually. Eventually. And so we can let our minds wonder about what that eternal place is going to be. And understand this, that your mind is falling far, far short of what it's actually going to be like. But listen, today, we can't just think in terms of that place. We must think in terms of this place right now. Because he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Yes, there is a place in eternity where he is fixed and determined that we will be. But he is also preparing a place we need to think in terms of the building of the church. The building of the church, Matthew chapter 16. Jesus says to Peter, on this rock, the proclamation of the gospel message, on this rock, I'm going to establish my church. I'm going to build it. And so while I'm, all, I'm so excited for this eternal place we're going to be, here's what else I know. As Christ continues to build his church, which is the hearts of mankind, his home that he makes with us. As he continues to build his church, I want him to do that. I want to think in terms of, yes, Christ died on the cross. He rose again. He paid for my sins so that I could be in relationship with him, so that my family could be in relationship with him, so that you could be in relationship with him. So if Christ is preparing a much grander place for us to live in fellowship with each other, his home is in his church. And I'm like, Lord, keep on building, and here's why. Because there are other people in my life that I want to be a part of that building as well. Keep building, Jesus. Keep building and bring those who are in our lives into eternity with us as they give their lives to you. I pray that, Jesus. And then verse five, Thomas says this. In chapter 14, he says, look, 
Jesus, we know you're going. We hear you saying that, but we don't know where you're going, so can you show us the way? And of course, he makes this marvelous declaration in verse six. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus provides the answer to where he is going, this eternal place, this dominion, this kingdom of God, which, yes, is future and now is in the hearts of man. Not being troubled is being dependent on what you believe. Listen to me. Not being troubled is being dependent on, or not being troubled is dependent on what you believe. Verse seven, verse seven brings a pretty significant shift in focusing on this place to this relationship. When Jesus says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. If you had known me, Jesus says, if you, you would have known my father, you would be in relationship with him. From now on, you do know him and have seen him because of me. So here's the shift that's happening from this place, from where to who, from place of God to person of God, from the realm of God to relationship with God. So that brings us to today's sermon. And here's the title, if you want real peace. If you want real peace, church, that's our sermon series that we believe this passage speaks to in particular, then you must have real faith. If you want real faith, feel real peace, you must have real faith. Faith is dependent on what you believe. Jesus says, believe in me and you won't be troubled. Believe in me determines where you place your faith. And where you place your faith determines what you trust in or who you trust in. And your ability to trust in the one you believe and have faith in determines whether or not you're experiencing real and true and everlasting peace. So with that, would you turn to John chapter 14? We're gonna be looking at verses eight through 11. And I'm gonna read that as you turn there. John chapter eight, beginning at verse eight and going through 11. So just after Thomas says, we don't know where you're going, Jesus says, I am the way to where you wanna go. Philip lays this question right in front of Jesus, which I believe um, at least displays the heart of most of the disciples. Can't say all of them, but at least most of them. When Philip says this, verse eight, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the words themselves. So if you want real peace, you have to have real faith. And we're gonna answer two questions today as we work through this passage together. And here they are. First one is this, what causes my heart to be troubled? Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in me. And so 
the disciples' number one concern was, he's going away. He is going away. It's troubling my heart. What causes my heart to be troubled? Theirs was being alone. Don't leave us, Jesus. What's gonna happen if you go? So I'm wondering, what is it that troubles your heart today? So you can start thinking about that. And the passage has an answer for how we can respond to that. The second question we're going to try and answer is how can I establish a stronger faith? Have you ever wondered? The things that reveal to you areas of your life where your faith in God is weak, it's entirely dependent on what we believe. So they're the two questions we're going to answer today. What causes my heart to be troubled and how can I establish a stronger faith? So here, let's go to the first one. What causes my heart to be troubled? For the disciples, the reason why their heart was tr troubled is based on their unbelief or at least an incomplete belief. Philip says, Philip says this, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Show, show, show us the Father and it's enough for us. I believe that Philip was probably speaking for at least most of the disciples. I wonder if he speaks for you as well. Do you think about that? Lord, show me, show me, show us the Father and it's enough for us. I believe this is a statement by Philip that they didn't completely understand who Jesus was, that their belief was at least incomplete. Why on earth would Philip ask this? Now think about, if you're watching The Chosen, I believe The Chosen does a kind of a, a, a decent job in expressing who Peter is. So, I wonder how Peter responded to that question in the moment. And here's why I wonder. Because back in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is standing with the disciples, sitting with the disciples, and he's saying, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, some say that you're, some say that you are John the Baptist, some say that you're Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he says, okay, but, but, but who do you say I am? Jesus wants to know what the disciples think about who he is. And guess what Peter says? He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven has. That leads me to believe based on my study, that Peter understood who Jesus was. He was the Christ. Even though he denied him, his faith, faith was weak in the moment, just before Christ was taken to the cross, Peter believed. But at least Philip and probably many others of the disciples didn't believe. And so I wonder, what, I wonder if Peter, if he's not saying in the moment, shut up, Phil. Just be quiet. Why would you ask that question? Now think about it. Think about it. Think about the things that you have seen since we have. What else does he need to show us? Philip wanted to see the Father because he didn't believe that Jesus was from him entirely. We saw him, Philip, turn water into wine at a wedding. Remember that? You remember the time that we were on a boat and we see him walking across the water? Who can walk on water? Other than God himself, you remember, hey, he called me out of the boat. You remember me walking on water? Who can help man walk on water other than God himself? 
You remember him healing that paralytic? Guy laying in his bed, dropped through the roof of a building. Get up and walk, and he does. How about that guy that was in the tombs, crazy in his mind, and Jesus cast out a demon, a legion of them, into a bunch of pigs, and they ran and drowned themselves in the water. You remember that, Phil? How about this? You weren't there, but you can ask James and John. When James and John and I were up on the mountain, we see Jesus transfigured into this most glorious sight. And guess who else showed up? Elijah. He was there. Moses. He was there. Why would you ask, show us the Father? Haven't we seen enough? How about this one? Do you remember back? Do you remember back at the wedding at Cana when Jesus turned water into wine? He even... He even made, gave my brother Andrew the ability to dance. If that's not enough for you, I hear some of you understand the reference to the chosen. They're standing and they're dancing and Andrew starts to dance and Peter goes to Jesus, did you do that? And Jesus jokingly said, jokingly, because he can do all things. There are some things even I can't do. I don't believe that. I believe he made Andrew dance. I'm having fun with you all. But I wonder how Peter would have responded. After the cross, their hearts were truly revealed. The doubting Thomas says, after Jesus had died, he says this in John chapter 20, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. I will never believe. I need Jesus to show me. Maybe you can relate to him. I believe I do relate mostly to Thomas. There were a couple of others on the road to Emmaus, Luke chapter 24, as they're walking along, Jesus comes up to them. He didn't reveal who he was. And they say to Jesus, we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Them, the disciples, truly expressing a flaw in their ability to believe in who Jesus is. If I was a disciple, I would have had doubt. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Right. Jesus, the Messiah, is going to come in my lifetime. Maybe you can relate to this now as you look to the, to the return of Christ today. Genesis chapter 3, first, first prophecy spoken about Jesus and then hundreds of other prophecies laid out through the whole entire New Old Testament. And if I'm Thomas, I'm like, and he's the one that's going to come back and fulfill it in my lifetime? I don't think so. He'll come in some other generation. Listen to this. Josh McDowell, some of you may remember him. I'll never forget this as a young man sitting, and he is, he is describing to the group that I was sitting with, look, it's incredible that Jesus has fulfilled the prophecies that were spoken of him. And this is, he put it in terms that I couldn't understand and then put it in terms I could understand. He said, listen, for Jesus to fulfill even eight of the prophecies that were spoken about who Jesus is in the Old Testament, it is this, the, 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 the probability of that happening is one in 10 to the 16th power. So that's a whole bunch of zeros, whole bunch of zeros, one in 10 to the 16th power. I don't get that. So he put it in terms I could understand. So you ready for this? 
He said, imagine right now, Jesus fulfilling eight of these prophecies is like covering the entire state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars. And on one of those silver dollars is a red X. And it's laying somewhere in the middle of the state amid, amongst all of those other two feet deep state-covered silver dollars, state of Texas. And you have to choose it. Eyes closed, one choice, boom. That's why I would have doubted. I'd been like, no, for Jesus to come, for this one that's going to fulfill these prophecies, I can't believe it. It's not going to believe I would have been the doubter. What about you? So let me bring this point home. Philip says, Lord, show, show, show. My heart is troubled. Show me. Show me who the Father is. And just like Philip, I believe we are all guilty of needing God to prove himself to us so that our faith can be complete. Show, show me. Prove it to me, God. What we believe determines our faith. Our ability to have faith determines who we trust. And whether or not we're able to trust determines our level of peace. Jesus responds to their unbelief, look at verse nine, with a mixture of both frustration and disappointment when he says, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? I am declaring to you, I am God, Philip. Believe me. Philip says, show me, show me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he is the one who does his works. So if your heart is troubled today, what does God need to show you to increase your faith? What does he need to show you to increase your faith? Here's the second question. First question, what causes my heart to be troubled? It's a lack of belief. It's a lack of belief. Second question is this, how can I establish a stronger faith? A stronger faith determines the trouble that we, either that we don't experience in our heart because we have real and true faith. Here's the answer. Look at verse 11. Jesus says this, believe me, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Simply by believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is who he says he is, that he does not lie, simply believing is the entrance in to the faith that God gives us that removes all trouble from our hearts and that brings us into a place of everlasting peace. Jesus says, believe me, believe me. What else does he say? Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. As you believe in God, you must let God work in your life. 
Believe his word. Romans chapter 10 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Simply listen and believe. Maybe some of you are here today and you're like, I, I don't know, I don't believe. There are two individuals that come to my mind when I say this. There was a man in Canada who Wendy and I sat down with he and his wife for dinner. He was Dave, Wendy's late husband. He was his partner um, in law enforcement. So Wendy and I are having dinner with him and he and his wife, and we're sharing the gospel with him. And you know what he said to me? He said, I wish I had faith, I just don't. Like that was his very simple answer. And I left there with a heavy heart because he's not believing, he won't believe. He simply said, I just don't have faith. I watched a friend back home when my wife was in a car accident, put her into a coma for five weeks, he was going through an absolutely nasty divorce. And I'm sharing the gospel with him, Jesus is the answer for this. He can restore this, he can resolve this, just simply give your life to him. And he said, I wish I had that faith, I just don't. Believe in Jesus and he deals with the trouble that comes into our lives. Believe in Jesus and let him work in your life. Believe on account of the works themselves, Jesus says. Here's the big deal. The establishment of your faith is not up to you. You're like, all right, well then, Todd, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna muster up more faith and I'm gonna work really hard and try really hard. Ultimately, your faith being established is not up to you. And here's why. Because you will never permit yourself to be walked into, you will never deliberately walk into the things that strengthen your faith. You just won't do it. We like to go the easy way. We like to determine our way. We like to be the ones to express our will over what happens to us. We say, Prove to me, God. Prove to me, God. And when he decides it's time to prove to you, you're like, uh, that's too hard, I'm not gonna do that. Prove to me, God, by not taking me into the valley of the shadow of death. Prove to me, God, by getting me out of the valley of the shadow of death. Prove, show me, show me your God. You remember end of last Sunday, Jasper's incredible message. The Lord laid on my heart Psalm 23 and the whole process of walking through that. And I'm like, Lord, I don't wanna use this for the close. I wanna use this for the sermon. He said, no, use it for the close. And I said, okay, and I'll use it for the sermon too next week. And so this is it. When I think about the things when we believe, okay, God, I believe, I believe in you but I want to have a say in what happens to me. Here's what happens. All right, the Lord is our shepherd. He leads into a place where we have no want because he is our shepherd. He leads us, he leads us, he takes us and he lies us down, he lays us down in these green pastures. What an incredible place of peace where there is no trouble. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let's lie down here in this green pasture. Let's, Hey, listen, God, it's okay. Look at that stream over there. Still water, another peaceful place. Let's go over there. Jesus says, let's go over there. He says, all right, now I want to restore your soul. So I'm going to take you into some places that are absolutely restorative to your soul. We love it. We love it. 
you know what? I'm fine to let God's will be done in my life when I am in green pastures, when I am in still waters, when I am in a place where my soul is being restored. But then we decide it's time to express our will when he brings us up to the edge of the valley of the shadow of death. He says, I'm going to walk you now through a path of righteousness for my name's sake because there are things about you I don't necessarily like because they don't represent someone who believes in me. So I'm gonna walk you through this road of righteousness and it's not going to feel good. And guess what? It's going to lead into some places that are not at all comfortable. And that's where we wanna express our will. No, no God, I don't wanna go there. And he says, but this is the way. Jesus starts going down. Cliff, he starts climbing down, dangerous place. He says, this is the way. I don't wanna go there. But Jesus says, this is the way to the Father. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the way I'm going. This is the way we need to go to get to God the Father. And all of a sudden, we want to express our will because we don't want to go there. These are the very places we need to go to have our faith established. Because it's a sad thing that Philip says, God, sh Jesus, show us you are God. It's a sad thing when we say, Jesus, show us you are God. Show us your God by not taking us down in there. Show us your God by getting us out of there. But Jesus proves to us who he is. Shame on us that we need to be proven to. These are the places where he proves himself faithful the most, is in the darkness, is in the valleys of the shadow of death. It's where he reveals, I am with you. You have no reason to be troubled. If you choose to take another the way I have for you to go, I want you to go with me. He remains true to his promise. He takes us into these places that stretch us, that challenges us. He proves us that he is worthy of being believed in. He proves to us that he is worthy of our faith. We just need to let him take us there. Faith becomes weak if we stay in the meadows and the still waters. That's where we are tempted to forget about Jesus being with us because everything's easy. Faith becomes strengthened when we walk through the valleys of the shadow of death. We, church, need to let Jesus take us to places where it, he can show himself strong and faithful to us. So if you want to strengthen your faith, do this. Pray, Lord, increase my faith. Not show me. Increase our faith. Pray this. Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. Your will, not mine. Because you know, your will doesn't want to go the hard way. Your will wants to go the easy way. And he says, but I thought you wanted stronger faith in me. If you want a stronger faith in you, you need to let God express his full will over your life and take you to places you don't want to go and let him prove himself faithful. Because he will over and over again. All right, so it's time to land this plane. Unbeliever, 
hey, if you don't believe in Jesus, I'm telling you right now, he's calling to you. He's calling you right now because here's what I bet. Well, here's what I know. If you don't believe in Jesus, you are alone. And if you are alone, I bet your heart is always troubled. Believe in Jesus and let him establish a faith in one that will never leave you or forsake you. He will walk you through the hardest things of life. Believe in Jesus. Believe in what he did on the cross. Lay your life down for him because that's what he did for you. He went to the cross to save you from yourself. Place your faith in him. For the believer, what troubles you today? What is it that troubles you? And you think about what that trouble is. And that will point right to a place where you just don't trust God. You don't believe that he is the way through this. You don't believe that his truth has determined what's best for you. You don't believe that that way is the way to life. What is it that troubles you today, church? Let not your hearts be troubled. I'm gonna close with this. Someone was sharing with me just recently in a battle. So think about whatever the thing is that the valley of the shadow of death is for you. This is the way, this, is the way this individual described his, his battle in his valley. So what is, what's the valley for you? And he says, he says, this is what it's like. It's like you're down there and you're fighting. You're fighting and you look up and over the hill comes a million man army. And you have to defeat that million man army. And you, you, you join in with the Lord. You believe that he's gonna see you through and he does and you fight and you beat with God this million man army. And you're like celebrating, praise God, praise God. And you turn around and look. And over the hill comes another million men. You have to fight those million men again to overcome this thing that, is, that has you gripped in the bottom of this valley. And you fight with Jesus and you're exhausted you turn to him, he strengthens you. You beat a million men. You're like, praise God, we're starting to come out of this valley. And then you turn and you look and you start climbing again and another million men come. Believe in Jesus. He is the one that is determining each and every battle you walk through so that your faith is strengthened so that when he brings you out of the valley, you will have a faith that is so strong. You will have a story to tell to others about how God endured that with you, how he rescued you from it, how he strengthened you in it, and you will have words of encouragement for those that God brings to you that have the same struggles. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are so very, very good. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for your promises. Thank you, Lord, for giving us an eternity's sized bucket full of reasons that we have no reason to be troubled because you are God. Lord, may your kingdom come in our lives. May your will be done in our lives. And Lord, we pray that you would increase our faith. Remind us often of your presence and help us, Lord, to deal with those things, Lord, that challenge us in our, our belief. Thank you, God, for showing us who you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>